0: What's up, everybody? I'm Justin Maytack, and I'm here with my sister, Melissa McCack.
1: Hey, everybody.
0: And we are Room 51, where we talk all things board gaming. And today, we're joined by Jordan Schoenberger from Jordan Plays Blue. Hi, everyone. And today, we're talking about uh, representation for children of color in board gaming. right? And so, Jordan, since you are our guest, we normally like to let the
2: guests kick it off. Right, so <clears throat> so I guess I'll, I'll introduce myself a little bit. Um, if you don't know, my name's Jordan. I am. I do Jordan Plays Blue on Instagram and YouTube. I just kind of review board games and stuff like that. Um, but um, if you are watching the video, you might be able to see, or if you're listening to the podcast, you might not know. But I am a straight white man, um, and <clears throat> this is not necessarily topic that um, you hear white guys talking about. Um, I don't necessarily see myself as an expert in this field, in this area. However, I do have experience in it um, that uh, my my family in my home is um, multiracial. I I am white, my wife is white, but uh, three of our four children in our home are actually African-American or mixed race. Uh, we have one uh oh this is confusing um my <laughs> you're good <laughs> my 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 family is a confusing thing to talk about um so my uh, my wife and i have been foster and adoptive parents uh for a number of years we have um fostered a ton of kids uh, we adopted three children and we have one adopted uh, daughter or one birth daughter as well one of our kids uh, came to us as a teenager and she doesn't live in the home anymore. So when I talk about having four kids but only three in the house, that's why, because one of them is, doesn't live with us anymore. And that's uh, the natural state of things when you get to a certain age. So that was, <laughs> things worked out okay there. Um, but one of my children is African-American. My other, one of my, my son is um, mixed. He's African-American, um, actually Puerto Rican and white. Um, so he's got a little bit of everything he can, um, you know, he can pass, uh, in certain areas, depending on, <clears throat> uh, what, where he is, he can pass as a lot of different types of races. Um, my daughter, however, can't, she is, she is African-American. She looks black through and through. And then my other daughter's super white. She's pale, just like me. Um. So this is, this is something that I pay attention a lot to. Um, I know I've posted about it on a couple of different Facebook groups, just about how it's important that, you know, it's not just, um, you know, it's important for people who are in groups, uh, minority type groups, to see themselves in order to um, feel welcome and included in that group that whenever you are in a minority group and a um I want I don't know if oppressed or suppressed are the right terms for that, but if you're you're in a group that um is not the majority, it is important to be explicitly welcoming of those of those folks because otherwise it's often assumed that they're not. And so I think that is an issue in board gaming and I think it's getting better. And I think there's enough uh, right right now there's a lot of vocal, you know, vocaling people being vocal about this and um i think that's really important i just did an interview with um tanaya walker she's the um art director at jellybean games i interviewed her over my instagram page and she um she's a white lady she works in australia or lives in australia and is an artist and i was playing one of her games um and if you're watching this on on video um i was playing village pillage which is just a little card game you know it's not you know, there's not a ton to it, but one of the things I asked her about, I was like, why, this game is about like a medieval town. Why is it so, like, why are there so many black people living in this town and Asian people living in this town and men and women and all sorts of things? And she's like, well, she, she, when she's coming at art and she did the same thing with Lady and the Tiger, only in that game, it was all ladies because it's literally in the title. It's about a short story. They all have to be women for it to make sense. But um, there's black women, there's white women, there's Asian women, there's uh, all sorts of different types of women in the book. Even the tigers are different colors, you know? And she sees it as whenever you walk outside and you're in a city, in a diverse area, what do you see around you? And she believes that those are the people that would be, she wants to play her, she wants to play her games. She wants You're walking down the street. She wants you to play her game. She wants you to play your game. She wants you to play her game, and she wants the game to look like the people who are playing it, regardless of historical accuracy. Because, frankly, I don't know how important that is to most people. I think it's important to be able to see yourself in the game more so than it is to kind of put yourself in that world. Village Pillage is not building a world. You know, you are not. There is not a a town in the United in the world that is trading turnips as resources and attacking neighboring, like this is, this is a fantasy type scenario. So why not just build on that and make it look, um, you know, look like you, you, you are projecting what you want the people playing it to look like, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think especially children don't care about those things either, um, like how historically right. accurate it
2: is. Yeah, um, and I was, I was looking be- before we got on, I was looking at my my daughter's uh, game shelves, and I was trying to pull off a game like I, I, the Valley of the Vikings game by Hava. I was like, I know one of these Vikings is black, and I looked pulled it off, and I was like, none of these Vikings are black. Um, so... It, which makes sense. in a game about Vikings, obviously, like they weren't African-American, they weren't black, they weren't Jamaican, they weren't Puerto Rican, you know, they were from Scandinavia. So they're going to look like me. And that's just how that is in that part of the world. But it is, it is important for kids games. And I think a lot of times in kids games, the way they get around it is using animals. And I think a lot of other games do, you know, if you think about like, um, I don't know, Bunny Kingdom, or these animals that there are these games that are using animals instead of people, it's a way for them to kind of get around that diversity type thing. Um, and also it, 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 it's interesting cause you can make like bunny kingdom. You could have made like Nazi Germany, like why not? You could have done something like that. Um, but they made it bunnies instead, telling them how they're gonna make it more lighthearted and you know, kind of you can make some weird things here and there and make it work for the theme and the mechanics that are in the game. But I think that I don't know, it just feels cheap whenever you, you're gonna throw animals in something instead of humans, because animals aren't playing your game, humans are playing your game. And whenever we are doing something like whenever we're reading a book or we see a billboard, like there was a billboard by my house recently that was um May Jepson. I don't know if you guys know, or May J- Jepson? Jem, Jamison, Jamison, May Jem, Jamison. I don't know if you know who she is, but she was the first African American um, astronaut that went into space, which is cool because one of my daughters is named May, who happens to be the white daughter. Right. But um, so that's fun because her name is May and there aren't a lot of people named May. So that was fun. But then also she's black. And so my other daughter, I'm like, Maya, look, May Jemison is black. And she was an astronaut and she got to do these cool things. And she gets to see herself now in who that person is on that billboard. And it's important for us to be able to find that around us and see yourself. If, when you see yourself in the world around you, it feels, it makes you feel like you belong in the world around you. If everything around you is different than the world, than what you look like, it makes you feel like an outsider and it makes you feel like a stranger in that world. Um, so it's important for us to, you know, we are constantly with our kids because you know, we're our, both parents are white in our house. All of our grand, all the kids' and grandparents are white. So it's important for us to find those people, to find those things around us that are allowing us to connect to, you know, the different different parts of the world around us. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, that Viking theme that you mentioned, by the way, is that's a children's Viking theme, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. So for me, uh, I understand why you would have a Vikings game where everybody's white. But I think for a children's game, totally acceptable. To, and not acceptable, I think it should almost be encouraged, like just make the a diverse cast of Vikings. For a game like 870 Vikings by Academy Games, where it's meant to be historical and educational, <laughs> then I think keep it historical, right? And I think that's where it's kind of like that leave the history to the historical games. To games where you have a very loose, like, yeah, these people existed in history. Yeah. Who cares? Do, do what you want. It's a kid's game. You know,
2: uh-huh. it's true. And I think, I think it, it comes down to what the game is trying to achieve. And I think, like, Academy Games or, um, you know, GMT, like, those are companies that are trying to do things that are historically accurate. It is clear that whenever they're building their rule set, whenever they're getting their components together, they're trying to follow things to a certain letter. Um, but a game like, um, dead reckoning is on Kickstarter right now. It's about pirates. All right. Mm. I don't know if a lot of people noticed there's one pirate on the cover and he's black. I don't think there's going to necessarily be outrage online because they included a, the cover has a black pirate on it because it, you know, like that is important for people to see, you know, that, when I grow up, I could be a pirate too, you know, like that's important for people, for black kids to see, but it's not something that is negatively affecting people for them to be outraged about. You know, like that is something that honestly, most white people aren't going to notice that there's a black person on the cover of Dead Reckoning. But it's one of the first things I noticed because it's something in my family is very important for us to be able to see um, as, we're, as we're exploring things, as we're looking at games, um, the cover of Village Pillage, you know, I'm holding it up to a camera that you guys, that you're listening to the podcast can't see. You know, half the characters here aren't white. Um, uh, Actually, one, I I would say one of them is Caucasian or white, you know, Um, on the cover of the box, you know, like that, most people won't even, most people who know about Village Pillage have not, never played Village, you know, they, they just know what it looks like or whatever, but they know the box, you know, and that's, It's important for that to be out there. Um, But if you're looking at a game like, I don't know, Blood Rage, right? Like that is a Vikings game, right? Yeah. But it's not historically accurate, you know? So if one of the characters was black, would anybody know? Like people wouldn't notice or people wouldn't care. And if they would bring up historical accuracy in a game like that, it doesn't matter if it's historically accurate. Because yeah, absolutely those, those huge miniature creature things with stuff hanging off of them, that's not historically accurate either. At it's all. like building <laughs> off of like mythology and stuff. yeah, but it's not, you know. Um, so I think sometimes it feels like a bit of a like a, like a red herring or something when somebody brings up historic, historical accuracy in games. and I, I think it's true but i think for most games it's not something that is going to um it can only positively affect things it is not taking away the experience of most people but by it being left out like by diversity and inclusion being left out of games it is removing people from the game but it's not removing the majority from the game if that If that makes any sense to you guys
1: yeah no that makes sense i think uh one thing that you were even touching on in terms of uh, and you said this a little bit earlier in terms of belonging and seeing yourself um i think it's so important to super important with children uh because growing up and i'm coming from a mental health uh counseling background so Mm -hmm. growing up in a uh in a way where you're not seeing yourself as the hero, and you're not seeing yourself as the main character, the one that people care about, even the average Joe kind of character, right? Like you're not even seeing yourself as that. Uh, That is damaging, and it it takes years and years of um, uh, processing to undo that sort of thing, especially uh, growing up as a child where you're not seeing yourself and not feeling as though you belong. and one thing I'm, I'm actually curious about, do your, I know uh, Mae uh, plays board games because I see her on uh, mm-hmm. your stuff, but do your other children play board games as well?
2: Yeah, so um, their age, so my, um, my oldest daughter, um, who doesn't live at the home with us, she will play some games with us. She, she enjoys card games, um, especially Spades and Lost Cities. Those are her two games that we'll play. Um, we play a lot of cards with her. Um, she really enjoys that. My two youngest are five and three, and so they are, um, they also, I will say, they do have some um, special needs, um, and so it is difficult for them to sit for a long period of time and play a game. But my my one daughter did pull out a Haba game that had unicorns in it, because she loves unicorns, and she set it up. She didn't want to play by the rules, but we played a game where we just rolled the dice and moved along the board and collected the gems or whatever, which. To be fair, it's pretty close to the rules. <laughs> okay. But she, um, but she wanted to play this game. She loves unicorns. She wanted to do it. Um, she's really big into making up games right now. She loves carrying around Pokemon cards and pretending that she's playing with them. Cool. Uh, but we're not to the point where we're fully playing games yet. Um, she's super observant. Like she, if we were playing a game and one of the characters was black, she would point that out. And yeah. she'd be like, they have brown skin like me. Like she is hyper vigilant about all of that. And whether that's, you know, because her, her parents are white or she lives in a in in our type of home, I mean that's probably attributing a lot to that. Um you don't usually come out the womb with those kind of, you know, paying attention to all of that stuff so um vigilantly. But um my youngest son, he is uh nowhere near able to sit down and play a game. I'm hopeful. But um yeah, not we're not to that point yet. Um But it is, we, we, she does, my middle daughter, she does notice things Um, whenever we're playing games, whenever we're watching TV, we were playing a game about rabbits the other day, actually, and she wanted to be the brown rabbit because the brown rabbit had uh, her, its fur was the same color as her skin, you know, and that, you know, it was fine. You know, it, like we said, sure. And she did it and she was, that's the connection she made in that game. It was about rabbits. To be fair, the theme makes sense about rabbits. I'm not gonna disparage this game for not including people because I had rabbits. Rabbits make sense for that game. But um yeah, the fact that the rabbits were they were rabbit colors. <laughs> they were black, white, gray, and brown. But she picked the brown one because she felt the brown one looked more like her, you know? And so, you know, that's just the little the little things. And so whenever um I know in different facebook group somebody will post something like hey can you guys think of a board game that has black characters in it and some people will comment they're like i don't pay attention to the black i don't pay attention to the color of the characters or i don't know what any of the color characters do i only care about the mechanics and i think that might be true like i'm not going to say that what you're saying is not what you experience but i think you need to make sure you check yourself and the privilege that you have that you're you're able to come from a place where you don't, aren't looking for yourself places because it is always, a, you can always assume that you will be present yeah. there. Yeah. And so I think there's a ton of privilege there and something that we need to be very aware of as a board game community. Um, because, you know, we can, we can only do better in this area. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: That's a, something that I have to think about ever. Yeah. Uh, and it actually kind of goes back to one of the very early comments you made about uh we have to be explicitly welcoming. Yeah, you, know, mm-hmm. you it has to be very explicit. And I think representation in the games that we're playing is probably one of the most explicit ways of saying you're welcome at that table
2: kind of thing. Exactly. And it, it's you know another reason why. Churches or doctors' offices or therapist offices might have a rainbow flag on their door, or they might have a human rights campaign equal sign on their on their um, on their door, because those might be areas that LGBT folks have felt um, hurt in. You know, in church spaces, at doctors' appointments, at therapy appointments, in those spaces where they are very vulnerable, they may have felt hurt in those spaces, and so it's important for those for spaces like that who want to be welcoming, to be explicitly welcoming, because it might be assumed, it is probably going to be assumed otherwise. Um, and so I think it's the same, the same way, and it should be the same way in board gaming um, because we are the, ma- the majority, you know, I, I've been to conventions, I've been online, I've been in board game circles for a number of years. It's mostly white, it's yeah. mostly dudes. I think most of the stereotypes about like, you know, the comic book guy from Simpsons, I think it's so- mostly true. Like yeah. you, it, it comes from a place of truth. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say it's mostly true. Cause all three of us, none of us are, are that guy. So, you know, it's coming, it's coming from some truth. Um, and I think it's, ta- It you know, it's important for us to break, break down those, those stereotypes and show um, more interest in uh, people of different backgrounds, definitely. Uh,
1: Yeah, I think that one of the biggest things too is that I I feel like children are sort of criminally overlooked um, just across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and and like you were saying where, I I think you said your daughter is uh, so observant of when characters in the games look like her. It's like something that we don't even, oh yeah, children, they won't notice. and It's like Yeah, they will. They'll notice. They're absolutely, they are paying attention. Um, and they're the ones who are the most susceptible to, uh, that type of ingrained damage, right? It, honestly, I, I would even go as far to say that it is, uh, it's a form of trauma. Um, to not see yourself constantly, right? So yes, microcosm of board games, um, but it, it's still something that causes some sort of trauma so when you say things like and you brought up uh with people who feel uh, hey i just pay attention to the mechanics sure okay um but maybe we should be a little more aware because you're hurting people right like that is something you should be aware of like oh i, I didn't notice i had this like knife in this person's back it's like it, well, become aware of it because y- you're hurting someone so
2: yeah and i think I think a lot of folks, you know, if you know, black folks are probably used to not seeing themselves in board games, and so it's, you know, it's, I, you know, when they open up the game and they pull out the characters and they're picking out a character and they're thinking, um, which, you know, which of these white guys are gonna be, you know, like they might not, f- they might be at a point in their life where it doesn't, you know, it's just the next thing you know, where it's not going to be like, oh, I've got to talk about this with my therapist again this week because I, I got another board game and there's no Black people in it. Like, I don't think it's like that, but I, which I don't think you're saying, but I think imagine opening that box and being pleasantly surprised Right. that that, that is there, you know? You know, and I, you know, I would be remiss to point out like, you know, Jelly Bean Games is fantastic with this. Red Raven Games, Ryan Walkett's artwork has black people, has white people, it's got birds, it's got lizards, it's got, you know, it is that the world he has built is fantastic. Um, And that not all the humans in it are, are just white. That's not the default in his world for humans, um, which is really great. Um, And so I think it's, you know, you can't, you know, you can't, it's, but it's hard to find some of those um, those companies that are continually doing this over and over again, um, and so I think I think being able to open that box and be pleasantly surprised, I think, is an uptick in the right direction um, for for the hobby, definitely. Absolutely. I'm trying to look at my shelf. I'm not seeing. Got this game about Kenny G. He's white though, I think. <laughs> I
0: was thinking about uh, Charter Stone. Charter Stone has, uh, I believe, a pretty diverse cast okay. of characters that you can choose from. Yeah. At the beginning. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Although you don't I know think, it. It's in the. It's in the tuck.
0: Yeah, it, it's random. Like okay. I, I think I'm playing a, a black woman in the game. Okay. and I don't like I didn't even think anything of it. I was like, cool, I traded a bats story in my head for everything um that must have been so cool for somebody to like open that up and see that. I'm sure that made someone's day
2: <laughs> I'm sure yeah, and I think I mean me and i I know other people are different, but I generally like when I was playing through near and far, I picked a white guy like that was my character um but I know my wife picked the lizard, one of the lizard uh kin people um. So, like, some people are able to put themselves in, like, the character, like, in that role. Um, maybe I'm just not quite as creative or able to kind of separate myself. But I often find myself just picking the white guy because I think that's who I am most, um, you know, that's that's who I am. And that's who I uh, am f- most familiar with. Um, sometimes I get bummed out when, because I always play blue. And so... I get bummed out when the blue character is only female, or like I still play blue because that's more important to me to make sure in my head to make sure I'm moving the right pieces. Um, you know, but it's still annoying. Like, why not just um, like in role player where the other side of the board is a female? You know, yes. um, I think that's awesome. They did it with the dragons. You know, like one side is a, I don't know which side is the male dragon and which side is the female dragon. They didn't mark it. Um, that's you know, expensive. but there's still two sides to all of them. Like s- games with like c- character cards or whatever, you flip it over on the other side, is male and female. You know, like maybe one of them is black and one of them's white or something like that. Um, think- oh, there was another game I just played. The um, Oh, what was that called? It was one of those Target exclusive games. Um, it was like a deduction game. And you're robbing people. Oh, what was it called? but it had really great diversity. Um, uh-huh. it, w- it had all sorts of different races, also male and female, all sorts of stuff. Um, I can't remember what it was called. It was yeah. really good though. Oh, Shifty-Eyed Spies, Shifty-Eyed Spies. It had, you would have never thought you'd buy that game at Target. The box was blue and green. But when you open it up, that that would have, that was probably a, a game that really made some people's day when they opened it up and saw yeah. who was in it. Yeah, and I think That's that great. means a lot.
1: Absolutely. And I think even what you were saying about like, yeah, I, I play the white male because you know that's who you identify with. I, that's the I think uh, uh, people sometimes feel like, well, you know, should I feel guilty about that or whatever? It's like no, like that's okay. It's okay to want to play those characters. We're just saying let's also include other characters
2: that other people want to play as, you know. You know, and I, if I opened a game and there were no white guys in it, I'll still play it. Um, and you know i'm not going to take to the internet and you know blast this game put on put this game on blast because everything's too pc now and there's no white guys in this game and i'm a white guy and i bought this game somebody should look like me because i can also think on the other side (laughs) that how many other people have bought other games where there were only that in it um yeah so i mean it feels like a little thing to be able to do that and i loved whenever i was talking to uh, uh, Tanya uh, Walker from Jellybean Games about it, that whenever she's just designing her game, she she almost does sort of like a diversity quota in her mind. Like, mm-hmm. I want this game to be representative of the population. The population is this percent white, this percent black, this percent Asian. This per- Like, she goes down half male. She even says 50% of my characters will be male, 50% of my characters will be female. Even if only men play my game, half of my characters will be female. You know, like she just straight up says that from the beginning, and I think that is—I just think that's really wonderful because there's going to be something in there that you can see in yourself. And even in a game like Village Village, where you're not a character, you have a deck of cards that like you're playing cards, but you're constantly seeing people that look different. You're constantly, um, you know, seeing some people that look like you and a lot of people that don't—more people that don't look like you. And I think you know, that's only, that's only for the better. So.
1: Oh, great. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Jordan. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation, answering the call out
2: and uh, where can people find you? You're welcome. Um, this was a lot of fun. I, um, I will say as, as a white guy, um, I know some people think that only black people where only my people in minority groups talk about this stuff and I think it's I, th- I do think it is important to hear um, that you know there's allies on this side of the yes. table as well yeah. and so yes. that's one of the reasons I answered the call and I think it's important I know you had Mick and Starla on a couple of weeks ago yeah, we and I love I love that conversation they're really great people um, and I know this summer for my summer spotlights that I'm doing with publishers I'm doing I'm trying to find as many you know, women and people of color and trying to amplify their voices because I think that's really important right now. So, but yeah, so I do on Instagram under Jordan, at Jordan Plays Blue, also on YouTube at Jordan Plays Blue. Um, I do reviews every week. I do uh, three reviews a week on Instagram and I do really just a monthly video on YouTube. I, if you subscribe, you'll forget about it and I'll just, it'll be a nice surprise once a month. Um, but you should subscribe on Instagram, um, give away some games here and there. Um, I'm doing these weekly summer spotlights for publishers so um, each publisher will get a, a week and I only cover their games and look at some upcoming games as well so that's a lot of fun some upcoming publishers I have game right I got uh, 21st century games I'm trying to look at my my pile over there uh, boardgametables.com um, deep water games all sorts of stuff it'll be it's, it's a great summer so you should follow me so you yes. don't miss it
1: Yes, Jordan sure. is doing a lot. I, can, I know I am. that I'm seeing it. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is actually the last installment for now of the BLM and Pride uh, segments that we've been doing. Um, and we had a few people reach out to us. We've recorded with all of them now, which is awesome. And we might we might bring it back. We might do another Pride one just to even it out. We did two BLM, two, two BLM and now uh, maybe we need one more Pride one, but that'll be later. Just before uh, we head out, I just want to say I'm going to be taking a brief hiatus for the rest of July. I have this thing I've got to take care of at the end of the month, but I will be back in full swing in August. Until then, Justin will be taking over. mind mine. <laughs> it is, yeah. He's just going to do whatever he wants. It's going to be great. I'm not worried oh. at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at this is Room Fifty One. You can also check out our tw- our Twitch channel at Room Fifty One Live, where we stream all things board gaming. But until then, this is Room Fifty One.